Are the Titans bringing back the forward pass in 2024? Why is Baker Mayfield a big-time target for drafters in the FFPC never-too-early best ball tournaments? And what exactly will Cliff Kingsbury do for the Las Vegas Raiders this season? Plus, 2023 FFPC Pros versus Joes overall champion Al Leach is going to join us to mix it up about uh, how he outlasted all those industry analysts, who his sleepers are in 2024, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Can't stand the pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you, Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome into the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MYFFPC.com, MyFFPC.com, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Falkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Mr. Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, Farrell and I are going to go through our thoughts on Arthur Smith's impact as Steelers offensive coordinator. We thought we were rid of him. We're not. He's back. Uh, And we're also going to talk about what you can expect from Nick Chubb coming off his catastrophic knee injury early on in the 2023 season. And speaking of 2023, the 2023 FFPC pros versus Joe's overall champ, Al Leach is going to hop aboard in, I would say about 13 minutes or so to discuss James Cook uh, in drafts going on right now. The Bills pass catchers in general, whether we're sleeping on Jared Goff in drafts and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, go to myffpc.com right now. Well, I guess after the show is fine too, to play in the FFPC never too early best ball tournaments. We have two of them going on right now. They're going to run until the NFL draft conclude on April 25th. Both tournaments are going to follow best ball slim rules. There's no kickers, no defenses in this 20 round draft, 14 week regular season playoffs from 15 to seven weeks, 15 to 17 single elimination playoffs. I should say drafts are available with two uh, and six hour clocks, uh, 30-second clock as well for the sit and goes, and then a 60-second clock for those live scheduled drafts. You can take your shot at a $25,000 grand prize for entering for $125 into the Never Too Early tournament, or you want to enter the Never Too Early Superflex tournament, you can do so at just $35 and take your shot at $10,000 today. Go to myffpc.com to do that. And while you're there, pick up some Dynasty Orphan teams. we got a ton of great deals. There's some for just a dollar going on right now at myffpc.com. So if you want to play fantasy football literally every day of the year, you can with FFPC Dynasty Leagues. And be sure to check out the Dynasty Depot as well, dynastydepot.com, where you can bid, buy, and sell teams uh, in FFPC Dynasty Leagues there as well. So make sure you're checking that out. MyFFPC.com, DynastyDepot.com as well. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on it, uh, share it with your friends and enemies, and even 
you know, anybody else. I don't know how that Venn diagram works or if it even exists, but uh, share it with your friends and enemies at a minimum and get notified every time we go live on this show. More to come on that uh, and later in the program when we're going live again and who will be on the show. I can tell you who's on the show right now. I'm going to bring in uh, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, which you can check out at kffsc.com. He is Jay Farrell Elliott. Commish, welcome aboard. Happy Friday to you. Buddy, how are you? It's good to hear your voice. And you know, Bonky, the beard looks resplendent tonight. I, you know, and, and there's less commentary in the chat room about the fact that the beard has to go. I don't think now anyone wants the beard to go. I think everyone wants the beard to stay. And, and you know, you've won over everyone. You know, and, and even people like me that know that underneath the beard and can remember how handsome you are. So, yeah. you know, well, thank you. it's a new I, year, same beard. I'm happy. I did oil it today, so it should look a little bit better than it normally does. Oh, um, so that, that it, it, you know, maybe that. I got some things there. around here I should oil. <laughs> different kind of oil moving right. on past that family show ravens head coach john harbaugh said rashad bateman is going to be a starter in 2024 this according to ryan mink bateman um did not have a serious injury in 2023 hooray he started 12 games this past year technically um but he only had 32 catches 56 targets and was third among the ravens in wideouts in uh, pass routes run this season. He's 24 years old. He's got three NFL seasons under his belt, only 93 catches. Mark Andrews is going to be back next year. Zay Flowers is going to be back next year. Isaiah Likely, I believe, is going to be back next year as well. Harbaugh praised the route running for Rashad Bateman. says he has a bright future in Lamar Jackson uh, quarterbacking this offense. But I, I, I got to tell you, fairly, especially as we're in dynasty season right now, you can't get anything for Bateman. And to me, the only two pass catchers worthwhile, despite Coach John Harbaugh's praise here, are Flowers and Andrews. I can't get excited about Bateman, even though this was sort of a semi-glowing endorsement by John Harbaugh. Well, all of the FFPC and KFFSC players and, and, and our old pal Bobby Sangerman always talk about it as coach speak. But that's a little bit too much of a simplification. Because for as a Baltimore Raven, he will be very, very successful with 60 catches. And that's probably where he'll end up. He's played better at the end of the year. I thought this would be a, a better, more prolific, prolific pro than he has been. However, in the Baltimore Ravens offense, if he catches 60 passes, he will be a fantastic success, and that will be meaningless for fantasy football um, except for an occasional plug-and-play, and I don't think anything's going to much change around the red zone. So, no, you, uh, you can – um, disregard the football musings of Coach Harbaugh. I think the, the thing to keep in mind, if Flowers or Andrews were to go down, Bateman yeah. might have some value there. But they still got to replace Odell Beckham, and they could replace Odell Beckham with another receiver that could eat into the production of Bateman. And it's just this is not a situation we want to be involved in. Now, that said, wide receiver 93 in the 19th round of the never-too-early tournament. This according to FantasyMojo.com. You can follow uh, Darren Armani on Twitter at FantasyMojo, the guy who – is the godfather of the pros versus Joe's competition. He's basically free. He's in the Jalen Hyatt, Sky Moore, Zay Jones, uh, Andre Yasovas uh, category there. So you want to take a shot on him, fine. He's not going to cost you anything, but I think tempering our expectations would be wise. It's never too early draft, Balky. It's, it's, it's never too late to ignore uh, paper. <laughs> it's just wise words. If you take anything from the show tonight, that might be it. 
Um, the Titans have a new offensive coordinator, and his name is Nick Holtz. He was uh, the passing game coordinator for Jacksonville this past year, and he was an offensive coordinator for the Running Rebels of Nevada, Las Vegas. The Jaguars yeah. passing game was eh, for 2023. <laughs> Um, and we don't know uh, if he's going to be calling plays for the Titans. Um, Brian Callahan, the new head coach there, uh, was the OC. Help me out, Farrell. He was the OC for the Cincinnati Bengals, correct? That's right. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, the progeny of the great offensive line coach who will be uh, joining him, uh, uh, Coach Callahan, uh, with the, with the uh, uh, Washington Club as well as time spent in Arizona. And didn't he? Didn't he? Wasn't he head coach of the Raiders for a spell too? I, I think so. Although we've we've tried to block it from our okay. memory. Of the Raiders. <laughs> sorry, sorry for sorry, sorry for that unpleasant. There are trips and things that have happened in Las Vegas that should be forgotten, Balky, and if it, <laughs> that could be part of it. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. Bill Callahan working for his son in Tennessee. Bill Callahan. Uh, who is one of the greatest, as you said, offensive line coaches in, in NFL history. So we'll see what happens in Tennessee. Um, I, I think that um, knowing how much they wanted to run the football with the prime of Derrick Henry's career there, um, it's we have to understand that Callahan is a guy that wants to pass the ball, and maybe there's going to be more balance. Maybe this could be like um, the Tennessee Titans uh, being one of the more surprise passing offenses of 2024 here. Um, they certainly need some help. Hopkins isn't enough, and Traylon Burks really needs to get his stuff together here. But knowing that they've hired Nick Holtz-Farrell, does this bump up any of the Tennessee pass catchers uh, in your mind at all? I think so. And this is where I would look look for depth and look for taking a shot. Uh, Westbrook Akini. And when, um, when T. Higgins uh, heads south down I-65 to join his old coach, now you've got a, a passing attack that begins to look different. And most importantly – can he get some value out of that tight end position? The tight ends got mean athletic skills here. Let's see what he can do with that. So there, yes. And and I I think all of us have come to the notion that Derrick Henry would be moving along. If he doesn't, I like Derrick Henry in this offense, but um, the spears and, and the movement towards youth there might win out. And of course, for the quarterback, uh, Will Levis, this is the greatest thing we could possibly have. Um, if you're looking at the ADP right now for those Titans pass catchers, the top um, Tennessee Titan wide receiver going in the draft right now is not going until the end of the eighth round, eight ten to be exact. That's DeAndre Hopkins. He's wide receiver 40. This might be the lowest he's ever gone in his career. Chigakonkwo, yeah, it is. Uh, Chigakonkwo, tight end 24 in the early 13th, and then Traylon Burks now in the mid-15th round as wide receiver 67. Another offensive coordinator hire, and this time it's in Tampa. Rick Stroud reporting that the Buccaneers have hired Liam Cohen, who was with the Kentucky Wildcats, Farrell. He is going to be the uh, offensive coordinator now for Tampa. He, uh, over the last six years, was either with Kentucky or with the Los Angeles Rams. Briefly in 2022, when the Rams traded for Baker Mayfield and they had all that those quarterback injuries going on, he actually worked with him there. Um, and he started five games for the Rams. Pro Football Focus this past year graded Kentucky's offense as 63rd in the nation out of 133, so sort of middle of the pack there. Uh, Cohen, um, the fact that he's going to be the OC there, does that mean that Baker Mayfield's going to be back? And if so, Farrell, if he's working with a guy that um, he had some success with in L.A., 
doesn't this mean that we should be bumping Baker Mayfield up a little bit in our never too early best ball uh, 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 ADP quarterback 24 right now at the 1302 for Mr. Mayfield. Well, never a never a Baker Mayfield fan, but when I don't have to decide defensively who I'm in my lineup and based on what's happening, what's around him, and the fact that this is an interesting marriage, at least for a year, as a stopgap to see what happens in Tampa, I, I can I can get behind that. And uh, yeah, but Mayfield should be should be at least in the middle of the pack of the quarterbacks, not not in the beginning of the bottom third or fourth, perhaps. Yeah, I, I don't it, to me that's like um, I guess maybe that's some uncertainty. Like maybe he's not going to be back in Tampa, but yeah. my goodness, you have um, Geno Smith, Deshaun Watson, Jaden Daniels, um, Kirk Cousins, who knows where he's going to be playing next year. All those guys are currently in front of Mayfield. So I think there is some value to be had because once he does sign in, um, in Tampa, if he does, and we think he will, uh, then you're looking at him moving up that ADP. Now's the time to take advantage. Yes. Um, Okay, the Raiders. Let's talk about your beloved Raiders here. All right. Oh, good. Yes, exactly. We just we had to wait. We're saving the best for last year. Offensive coordinator for 2024 will be Cliff Kingsbury, who was a senior offensive analyst with the uh, Southern Cal Trojans last year. Now, an hour after Aaron Wilson, who works for NBC Houston, reported that Kingsbury was the front runner, Adam Schefter confirmed that it's happening. He went back to college for one year after he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. So now he's going to install an offense or begin installing an offense without knowing who his quarterback is going to be this coming season. Uh, Kingsbury had some problems sustaining offensive success in Arizona, which is is strange given how good he was at, at putting up points and chewing up yardage um, in, in the past. Now, I don't know um, – the impact that Kingsbury is going to have until we know the quarterback, Farrell. But as a Raiders fan, are you happy to see that Kingsbury is going to be calling the plays? And what are you expecting to see this season from Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, and the rest of the Raiders? Um, as a Raiders fan, it, it'll be it'll be curious. I think by my responses, you can, you know, I've never I've never spent a great time being a proponent of what you have here. I, I love this offense because it's very entertaining. I do not think it works at a professional level. Uh, this offense was invented. Uh, horizontal and vertical spread offense was invented by Lavelle Edwards years and years and years ago. And he was successful because he coached 29 years at Brigham Young and uh, the stadium's named after him. But he invented an offense where he could get superior athletes get them the ball using the whole field with excellent quarterbacks, uh, pass delivers and college ball. You can look at the list of BYU quarterbacks. All of them went on to some level of success, but he would get them the ball and these guys would outrun out distance. The college athletes from San Jose and Boise state and, and uh, UNLV. And, and so that's where it's made to work. And then, and, you know, and quarterbacks, it really doesn't matter in this offense who your quarterback is as long as it's it's an accurate offense. And, it, you know, the defense, what you're trying to get them to do is drop eight into coverage. So it's no reason. And if you look at the offensive linemen, there, there's gaps or splits. That's what an offensive line coach. And you'll see the offensive line spread out. And they teach the running back to look at the inside foot of, of either tackle, and that's where they run to. 
You're trying to create big holes. The running back is never going to bust one, take it to the house, but he can bust a 20-yarder as the rest of the defense encloses on him to tackle him. So it's great for fantasy football. Well, the problem is in the NFL, it's built to utilize the entire field. When you get to third and eight, third and goal from the eight, you've got problems because you don't have any field left. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to be able to change how you attack inside the red zone. And that's where we get into trouble with this offense in the NFL. Uh, plus, uh, you're running against uh, athletes that are uh, – in many cases, superior off uh, defenders, faster, stronger than the receivers they're playing against. So who benefits from this? A guy like Adams could really benefit. He high points the ball and he's physical, but he's fast enough to get away. Hunter Renfro comes back to life. The tight end in this offense always does very well. Um, and, and your backs could be successful, although uh, they wouldn't break for a lot of touchdowns. But the problem comes within the red zone. But for fantasy football, this is great. We'll have to take a wait-and-see approach if you're a Raider fan. Devontae Adams, not much of a discount on him in the never-too-early best ball tournaments going on with the FFPC right now. 208, wide receiver 10. I mean, there's a little bit of a discount there. I expected more of of a discount based on what we saw last year. Um, Jacoby Myers is a 10th-round pick. Michael Mayer, who you just mentioned, the tight end, always being successful in this type of offense. He's tight end 17, and he's going at that 10-11 turn, so I think there's some value there, too. Uh, That is where the Raiders are going uh, in this offense. And as it evolves and as the offseason evolves – we will uh, continue to cover it for sure. We have not covered the pros versus Joes on this show since the uh, pros versus Joes drafts um, ceased for 2023. After that, um, people were wondering, well, what happened? Who won? Well, you're in for a treat tonight because we have the overall champion tonight. He's a Joe. He is a Joe, which is important to know. Mm-hmm. 83 FFPC Joes and industry pros finished behind him in the overall standings in the pros versus Joe's challenge. All of the, the pros, Balky, really, yeah. really saddle up to you. I mean, they got they got a great love of you. They will come on the show, and they won't even – they'll say, hey, Balky, it's great to be on your show. Right. And I'll just be sitting here, you know, because I, I just tell it the way it is. And all the Joes, you know, they're both our guys, but, you know, I'm always – and I'm thrilled to meet our champion. I am uh, – he becomes one of our guys officially tonight because he's going to be on the show – Let's bring him on right now. Please welcome on five-time FFPC main event league champion and your reigning pros versus Joe's challenge title holder, Mr. Al Leach. Al, welcome in. How are you, man? Hey, guys. You guys, this show is always so fun. Uh, We call it. I really appreciate you bringing me on for a second. You guys are really the guys. Yeah, Al, you've you've been been, – you're going to be here longer than a second. You've, uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're expecting some heavy lifting from you, sir. Heavy, mm-hmm. heavy lifting. I'll do Al, can you tell us um, when you're not crushing all these FFPC leagues? What are you doing for a living, sir? Well, I do a couple of different things. Uh, I own an insurance agency, and not to you know get out in the weeds there, but I'm also a politician. Oh, I'm really? A state, uh, state representative for PA. How about that? Oh my goodness! We have to clean it up, Farrell. We we yeah. have we have one of the people that are helping run. I like both sides, right though. Now. I'm a both sides kind of yeah, guy. No, no. Here. I'm a- we're not going to get into. Listen, we're not going to get into politics. But this is awesome. Well, we, Al already is. He just told you he's in politics. Uh-oh. Yeah, um, we're already in politics. We are. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
but this is great that we have a a, a Pennsylvania State rep on to, to, tonight. That's fantastic, Al. And, maybe you and, can and get. And likes the show too, which is great. Maybe you can get a few pages out of the Pennsylvania uh, <laughs> fantasy football regulation laws. You know, it, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's it's I'll bigger than any now, Bible. Though. It's bigger than any Bible ever printed. It's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have seen uh, smaller phone books for sure. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty insane. Um, let's let's talk fantasy football here. Um, I always ask this whenever we have a pros versus Joe's player come on, and I think it's very important for you because you beat everybody. When you go into this draft, I mean, you're used to drafting and like a lot of the high-end stuff with the FFPC, the FFPC mm-hmm. main events. How do you adjust sort of your draft approach when you know that you're not going up against 11 FFPC veterans? You're going up against six guys who you know know the format. And then, uh, I beg your pardon, five guys that you do know who know the format. And then you're going up against six industry guys that may know it, may not know it, may draft in a lot, may not draft in a lot. How Does your draft strategy change at all? It's a little different here when you're going against the pro versus Joes. Because if you look at the pros, first of all, you're going to know what they rank. They put it all out there. So you know exactly who they're going to talk about, who they're going to want. Uh, you're, they're going to follow a pattern of their particular players they like. doesn't matter where the drafting normally goes. They draft their players. Look at John Hansen last year. He drafted Trevor Lawrence 5-1. He was never going that early in any other draft, mm-hmm. right? But he mm-hmm. wanted that guy, so he drafted him earlier than everybody else. Now, when you're talking the FPC guys, the FFPC guys, especially the veterans, they're, dra- they're value-based drafters. They're looking for the value in the draft. So it's a lot easier to draft against pros than it is against the Joes because you're going to have a tougher time getting that value pick that you would if you were a bunch of a bunch of pros. So it's a little different, but you really have a good idea of what six guys are going to do. If you know what six guys are going to do, you're good to go. Look at Peter Overzet. You know he's going to draft wide receivers. So you know if you want a wide receiver, you got to get a wide receiver quicker because he's going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver every round. And I, I think in Pete's case, he is the most educated of the pros. And he might have been a Joe oh, before he was a pro. And he might have been a Joe parallel to be. He, he just, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He takes receivers. Hell, you know, he's not the only guy taking receivers. I looked at your draft three. You're made for Kentucky out. Three. <laughs> Your first three picks were all wide receivers. Um, is that common for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I look at it like, I don't know if it's maybe um, whether you call it game theory or whatever you want to call it. Just running backs have a very high variance. Uh, you got the Christian McCaffrey's, of course, we're going to score a ton. But after that, there's going to be a lot of variance with those guys. And I look at the draft positions as your assets. And my best assets are my top picks. Less variance in wide receivers, so I'm going to generally gear towards trying to get as much, at least amount of variance as possible with my top picks. So I'm usually going to go wide receiver there. Al, I'm looking at the never too early best ball tournament ADP, and I see on average that out of the top 32 picks uh, in in this tournament, only nine of them are running backs. Do you think FFPC players are actually catching up to the fact like 
my God, you know, the, the running back landscape isn't all that great. Maybe I'd be better off loading up with receivers or tight ends, you know, since it's tight end premium. I, I don't I guess I'd have to do my research and find out what this looked like in previous years. But I don't remember this few of running backs being taken um, this early in drafts before. Do you think more players are going to catch on and and fade the running back position a little bit more, maybe more so than they've ever done at the top of the draft boards? I think you're going to see a lot more of that, especially next year. Whereas it's like two years ago, you had a lot of quarterbacks being faded and the quarterbacks were lasting a lot longer. And next year, the quarterbacks went you know, obviously much quicker. Next year is going to, I think, going to revert back to the old because the Patrick Mahomes didn't pay off. Only Allen and, you know, Allen and Hurts paid off with their draft slots. Everybody else kind of like fell back. And you were getting much better picks with the Prescotts, the Loves, the lesser picks. I think you're going to see a lot more running backs fall back with the quarterbacks falling back. And it's going to be wide receiver crazy in the beginning. I think um, um, the, and we hear from uh, so many analysts out there and, and now more FFPC players talking about utilizing that strategy. It's going to be fascinating as we get deeper and deeper into draft season. Now you mentioned John Hansen taking Trevor Lawrence at the five Oh one in this draft at the end of the round. You end up taking Christian Kirk and Evan Engram, which Engram, what a, what a find that was for you. Um, I want to get your take on stacking in in a in a format like this because obviously you knew you couldn't get the Jacksonville quarterback when you took those back to back Jaguars. Um, you're only going up against eleven other teams, and the goal is just to win your league. I mean, there, as much as we love to say, "Hey, there's this fantastic overall prize," there's not. Maybe the overall prize in the pros versus Joe's you get to come on this show. But um, the no. the other thing too is. You draft in a lot of main event leagues. Are you looking at stacking there? Can you toss, t- tell us a little bit about what your stacking philosophy is in drafts? So it's in this league, you got two different kinds of drafts. You have the best ball draft and you have the regular main event draft where you're putting in your starters. So in this particular draft, I just wanted to get players on offenses that I felt were going to do well. So mm-hmm. I really like the Jacksonville offense and I really like the Detroit Lions offense. So I wanted to get as many of those players as I could get, right? It didn't matter which one of those three, and because I actually took ETN the round before, so I had three Jacksonville mm-hmm. players in first in those rounds. Bam, 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 and then later on I took Porta, and I took I had uh, already had St. Brown and such like that, and golf. So I was just looking at getting the men, the most amount of players in a particular thing in a main event. I would not do that type of draft because you have to have said starters and you got to sort of make your play. on. Okay. I think this guy is going to be the best of that offense. I'm going to take him maybe two if you do the stack part, but I'm not a super stack kind of guy where I'm going to take, you know, the quarterback, both wide receivers or the quarterback, the running back and the wide receiver in a main event where you're doing weekly, weekly lineups. It's hmm. interesting. I, I, now, if you talk about stacking though, right. This year in the main event, what, I think like 30 to 40% of the teams had Mahomes and Kelsey, and they didn't do well at all when it came to getting into the playoffs. And the team that eventually won the whole thing, the whole main event champion, he didn't have stack at all. Uh, Was it Hogarth's didn't. He had Hurts and had no stack with Hurts. So I, I don't know if stacking's the way to go when it comes to the main event. It's been disproven that the winners the winners don't need it. I I happened to win two leagues um, in the main event this year. Actually, no, three. 
and and two of them had uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, Zay Flowers on it. And that's as close as I got to the stack. I was trying to probably get another one, but you tell me would have ruined it. Well, that, um, that's a back end stack, though. In that, yeah. you're looking at you're drafting like Allen and Diggs. If you're drafting, let's say a uh, a Hertz and a Goddard, maybe, or in your case, you got a Jackson. And later on, got the flowers. Flowers was drafted what eighth, ninth round ish. Yeah, area. About. Yeah. So, so they, yeah, end, yeah. No you're saying you're, you're stacking them side by side in the draft. Yes, you're you're stacking. Yeah, if them you're up. stacking, if you're going for the top wide receiver and a top quarterback, then that to me is is like a true stack. Mm-hmm. If you're going well, with a back end guy, we're getting the 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 rookie. Which are were big this year. Rookies were huge this year. Not more like the, this year than any other year that I can remember. Rookies really played a big part of uh, winning this year. Well, you had you had a couple of them. Uh, you got Laporta uh, towards the end of the twelfth round, and Jalen Reed, uh, uh, Jaden Reed in in the sixteenth. I you know this week was uh, college football all star games, the East West Shrine, and the Senior Bowl. We watched some players uh, evolve and, and separate from the group down there. It's good to know. Uh, it's good to lay eyes on those guys. What's your methodology for looking at this year's rookies? How quickly are you putting them into your draft? And, uh, yeah, congratulations. Maybe you'll find the Laporta and Reed for this season. With the rookies – in the past, I was not a big rookie guy. I'll say that. Usually the rookies, you know, it takes them a year or two. But lately, they've been, especially the wide receivers, have been coming out, and you know, relatively mm-hmm. quick on whether they're good or bad. Uh, but a lot of this year, you know, either you went hog wild, and I went hog wild in my main event team that won the championship with eight rookies. But for every Puka that I drafted, I also drafted a JSN too high. And JSN yeah. didn't produce where his draft pick was, but Puka way overproduced and where mm-hmm. he was. So it was definitely a regular, a real hit or miss. But it, you got to take a, a few of them if you're going to, because no one's going to know exactly. And they're going to fall. So you're getting value on those, which again goes back to the FFPC veterans. We're looking at value. And if I can get a guy who I project at, let's just say 12 points a week. Like when I projected Puka, I did not project Puka at like 17 points a week. If I did, it'd be on way higher, right? So I'm thinking and I'm going to want to borrow your uh, crystal ball. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're thinking, like I said, you're only, so if you're going, and then you're throwing a dart. He's just a dart that you're throwing out there because you're getting him in like the 15th round, 13th round. And sometimes you get lucky and you hit those, and sometimes you don't. Uh, but you do have to have a mix. Um, I would not have probably won the overall. I may have won my league already because I was way up, but I would not have won the overall if I didn't have some late veterans. Now, Dave Terp's not on tonight, but he's sitting there shaking his head as I drafted Zeke in the 18th round, and Zeke at the end, because Stevenson was out, just put me over the top. Yeah, you know, Every now and point. then, you got to get lucky with those. They're we'll, make sure, uh, we'll make sure Dave Terp gets that little bird. Right, there. yes. Wow. I mean, they're plotters. I agree with him. Zeke was a plotter, but Zeke was a number two running back on a team that really had no other offensive weapons. Hey, you want want to break Terp's heart? Tell him that Pollard is a plotter. 
Then you'll definitely uh, break his heart. Al, just curiously, as long as we're talking about Pollard, do you think he comes back to, to Dallas? I mean, because I believe he's a free agent right now. Um, and that's an interesting situation to be in for uh, a starting running back for fantasy. If if he were to go somewhere else, I'd be surprised, only because he had such a down year that I don't think he's going to get the contract he probably was looking for. So it's going to be more of a, you know, let's see what you could do again this year. And Dallas is a great offense yeah, with a good offensive line. They may lose a player or two. They're still a very good offense on a high-powered team, and it'd be best for him to take even a lesser contract, a 6 to $8 million contract, which he probably wants no parts of. But – Take that, be the number one guy, go back and score, and then go get the big contract. Um, a guy who did get the big contract uh, was Stephon Diggs from Buffalo. He's actually under contract uh, until 2027, and he's going to earn more than $27 million next year. Now, uh, earlier today, there was a piece on ESPN.com with uh, Stephen Holder, and Stephon Diggs told him, quote, I can't tell you what the future holds. And that was in regards to his future with the Bills. I don't want to turn this necessarily into a digs discussion, but we do know that this is kind of a weird situation. We also know that um, Gabe Davis is a free agent. Uh, we know that Dalton Kincaid's there. We know that Dawson Knox is there, but there's this other guy, Khalil Shakir, who is there. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, Al. I, I know you had him in a few leagues uh, this this past year. What about Khalil Shakir in the 11th round right now? Is that a place that you want to be buying here? That's, that's a steal. It's a steal because if you can get – what possibly is the number two receiver, and if for some reason Diggs leaves, and it's just Kincaid and Shear, and you're getting the receiver that all purpose for all purposes, the Buffalo wanted Gabe Davis to be. He just never ended up being that guy, right? And if I remember, if I I don't know the numbers exactly, but I believe Shakir scored like 16, 13, and 18 during the playoffs this past year. Right, so the a lot of times you'll see a player that's doing well at the end of the year or the playoffs will just take that and run going next year. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you something, Al. Let's just stick at Buffalo. Oh, Al jumped out of the chair there, no, he's, he's, he's still back. there. He's good. He's good. Hey, he's give, give him a let's, toy. Let's let's stay at Buffalo and let's talk about the dog in the backfield of Buffalo, Mr. James Cook. Now, I think every time I look at this team, I like James Cook more and more and more. And I I don't know what I'll have to pay for him when I get to Planet Hollywood, but I understand now that his late fourth round is his home, and I think that's a big bargain. Do you share my opinion? Yeah, if you can get him now. Like, in other words, this is one of those times where if you're drafting early, you, you can find those value picks. And Cook's that value pick right now. Because come hmm. actually in July and August, when we're actually starting to really do the main events, you're going to see him move up just like Stevenson did, just like Gibbs did. You're going to see those guys move all over. There's going to be Cook. He's going to be at the beginning of the third, middle of the third round by come Vegas season for sure. So if you're getting him now in the fourth round, that's just a steal. Last year, he scored, what, two touchdowns, I think, two rushing touchdowns because he wasn't mainly in the game plan. Inside the 10, they would bring in Latavius Murray or Josh Allen just runs it in himself. Yeah. Right. I could absolutely see a game script where they go yearly where he just increases his touchdowns from two to five or seven. 
he gets five or seven rushing touchdowns along with his passing, he's definitely a top five, top seven running back. Really? Well, well look at Joe that. Mixon this year. Look at Joe Mixon, yeah. what he finished. He finished like fifth, yeah. right? I could easily see Cook matching what Joe Mixon did this year. Makes sense. I, I think the other thing to keep in mind, and this is fascinating as I'm looking at the ADP data on this, guys. I, I mentioned this at the top of the show. Not nine running or uh, top of the interview. Nine running backs are going off um, from the 101 to the mid second. Then only three running backs on average are going until the mid fifth. So you're going from middle of round two to middle of round three, middle of round four, and then middle of round five. There's only three running backs going in there. Those three running backs, Rashad White at the 311, James Cook, who we just mentioned, 408, and then Isaiah Pacheco also going at the 408. There's a lot of room, Al, for Cook to move up there because nobody else is – there's no other mm-hmm. running backs being taken in there. Like if somebody likes Cook, you can easily see him moving up to the to that 3-4 turn or maybe even higher. He's running back 11 right now, and I, I think what's, what's exciting about James Cook is after um, – uh, Dorsey got let go and Brady got hired as the OC. We saw a commitment to the running game and we saw James Cook still involved in the passing game as well. That's what makes him so exciting. I'm with you, man. I see this as a fantastic value in the mid fourth, late fourth round for James Cook. His price is only going to go up and now's the time to get him. I mean, especially, right. I guess what you're probably seeing right now is the people that are drafting are the real go-getters when it comes to fantasy sports. You're not yes. talking about the average Joe. That's going to draft until in the uh, summer, right? So they're going to get, and I guess we all, I guess the new saying became between that three and fifth round of the dead zone, dead zone Mm -hmm. running backs, right? So that area has been like something where people have been trying to stay away from the running backs in that spot. So they're just grabbing wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. There's value there as long as you get the right guy, the ETNs, the Joe Mixons, now, of course, you could get killed and you get a uh, J.K. Dobbins who goes out, you know, because of injury. I still think J.K. Dobbins would have been a big producer had he not had that major injury. And you'd have got him in that same way, that same area, that fifth, sixth round. Um, what about th- this is such an interesting transition here because Farrell always used to make fun of me for um, – uh, talking about the Buffalo backfield and how, oh, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Who's the, like, we got to figure this out. And now we know who it is um, in, in James Cook, right? But I want to transition to uh, what I think is going to become the new Buffalo backfield because I keep asking people, Al, about the Bears backfield. Oh, no. Right now, I know it's terrible. Um, Tariq Cohen. Yeah, Tariq Cohen. <laughs> Neil Anderson. Um, when, you, when you look at um, the ADP for these three players, Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert both going in the mid to late 11th round. Deontay Foreman basically free in the 19th round. Are you looking to take a stab at any of these players in like a best ball tournament? Um, are you looking to fade them? Like what's the proper way? What should we doing with, be doing with the Bears running backs right now? If I'm getting them late, I'm looking at Johnson. That's who I had this year. Maybe I was a year early on Johnson. Uh, if they move up into that 7th, 8th round area, i probably pass. Only because I just don't know, at least until the draft, of what Chicago really wants to do. Because are they going to draft another quarterback? Because if they draft another quarterback, then the running backs become much more valuable if they're drafting an actual, you know, say Williams. Uh, say they say do they decide to not have Fields. Well, Fields mm-hmm. takes a lot of running. So if they move Fields and they pick another quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback, they may lean heavier on that running back. And I think it's still Johnson. But if 
they stay where they're at and they stay with the exact same team and they just try to bolster up some outside players, get them fields of wide receiver and such like that. As long as they stay 10 layer, 10 or lower, I'd probably go Johnson. Hmm. That's fair enough. I mean, Moser went 9th, 10th round. What a steal he was. I that think the Bears bad. have ambitions no. to discover the next Bale Sayers of the draft. I think that's what we're looking for here. I think that's well, maybe in drafting some of these rookies. Bishon Johnson, who didn't – I mean, Bishon was great, but he didn't play. He didn't earn up his draft slot. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's, let's go to a guy. How much How much dynasty do you play in the FFPC? Not a lot of dynasty. I've started playing more, and I've really, really enjoyed it. I – Picked up one of those dollar teams that Balky is huckstering at the start of the shows, and it's a good idea. It's it's a good idea because, you know, the teams are a train wreck, and if you can make something out of them, you feel really good about yourself. And I made a trade recently. I, I gave up eight spots in the second round to acquire uh, quarterback Jared Goff. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about draft picks, here's the overall number one a few years back from the Rams. Um, what did you think about golf season? I don't think that he gets any better from a fantasy football perspective, but I certainly was impressed with what he did. And I think the elements of the team around him are getting better. Uh, Gibbs and St. Brown can, you know, look like some of the preeminent players in the league and um, Montgomery's running with abandon. Uh, shouldn't he at this Player being drafted now. I mean, it's it's like Balky. You got numbers on where uh, he's going. Where yeah, Goff absolutely. I, I absolutely do. Right now, you're looking at um, Jared Goff as quarterback. This is the never too early tournament. Obviously, I'm talking about all the ADP. I'm talking about uh, tonight is all never too early. Um, Jared Goff, quarterback 17. He is going in the uh, mid 10th round right now. Mm-hmm. Farrell, you're not going to like my thoughts on golf. I'm sorry. Um, well, I'm it, it's a, remember, I gave one dollar for the team, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, not. So he's he's not gonna you don't have a ton money. invested in them. The investment. And I'll tell you, my other two quarterbacks were uh, Jake Browning and uh, the kid out at the uh, Raiders. So you know, that's that's okay. who O'Connell, Aiden O'Connell, yeah, O'Connell. Okay. So uh, you know, I, Al, you give it to me straight, baby. <laughs> Uh, you know, when I look at quarterbacks, I'm going to look golf as a very similar stats, similar play style to how Gino played last year. They finished okay. around the same. They were both rated in that, that what, seven to eight, you know, five to seven range of where they finished quarterback wise. Uh, he doesn't run. He's not going to get rushing touchdowns with that backfield. Right. So scoring wise, if I'm looking at winning my league, I just don't see I'm going to win on a consistent basis with a golf. So I'm going to take my chances on another player like Stroud, Love, Prescott, which I'm going to get much later, but I can get them later than the main name guys like the Hurts and the Allens and get, oh, yeah. still get some value on them because I'm not going to now. If I, and again, if I'm going backup quarterback, now if I'm taking a shot, at say a Anthony Richardson type player where he's a rookie and he's, you know, I'm going to take him as my starter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love to have golf as the backup because I'm making sure I'm stable at the position. If I'm taking the high value, you know, super dart throw shot for quarterback. But if I'm taking 
say a love or I'm taking a Stroud, I'm not going to take a golf in the back. Yeah. So my, my, my dynasty team aside, this is not a player that you're particularly ever going to look to draft. And uh, that, yeah. Okay. I'll see where you're standing on him. I want to, uh, to get into uh, a couple of emails here for you, Al. Um, The first one is from uh, Joe in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, he says, given that Kellen Moore is running the offense now, which Eagles do you like in 2024 drafts? Now, context is king here. Let's um Yeah, let's that's going to change possibly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So right now I'm looking – this is the ADP I'm looking at. So A.J. Brown is still going at the end of the first round. Jalen Hurts is at the 309. He's the third quarterback off the board. Devonta Smith, not far after that, 312 as the wide receiver 19, and then Dallas Goddard tight end 13 at the end of the seventh round. We could throw DeAndre Swift in there. I don't know if he's coming back to the Eagles. He's a mid eighth round pick running back 27. Any of those values sound, or any of those players sound like good values to you right now, Al? Smith's going to be the player for the Eagles. Hmm. They're going to, they're going to do whatever they have to do to keep Smith. There's a, and there's a, there's a lot of talk here in Philly that AJ Brown won't be on the team next year. Now I don't see that happen. I still, they paid him an awful lot of money and he's hurt his best friend, but sometimes playing with your best friend isn't the best. You know, you're all good and you're, when you're on a different team and you're talkative, but also when you have to actually go to war and you have to rely on both of you doing something right now, there's a disconnect between them two, some reason, or there's a disconnect between the offensive coordinator that was here. He's no longer here, but still the one that was here because they were ad-libbing constantly. They mm-hmm. were just throwing the ball up to AJ Brown. On, t- on certain occasions. So I th- there's a chance, it's a slight chance that he's not here. But when it comes to Devontae S- Smith, he's going to be a player next year. I mean, he's already a player this year, but he's really going to be stepping up because he's going to want his contract. And the, to get his contract, he's going to need to get a lot more receptions than he's even getting now. So it's almost like play for your money or that, one, that, that year where you're trying to play for your money. He's going to be the player to have in Philly. So I guess the easy um, response here, what you would tell players to do, don't take A.J. Brown at the one-two turn. Yeah. Rather target Devonta Smith at yeah. the three-four turn, right? Simple as right. that. Yeah. Um, the value you're getting. The numbers right. this year were off, but they're not going to be totally off next year. They're going to be very close. And the value you're getting in Smith is – and then you can get another asset with someone else in the one-two because you don't want them both. Right. No, obviously not. No, you don't want. And, and I, and um, just, uh, I don't know the best way to ask this question. Their final numbers at the end of the year between Brown and Smith, it's not going to be two rounds of, of value, right? These guys are going to be Correct. very, very close. That's wise. Correct. You can look at the Eagles very similar to the Green Bay Packers of this year, mm-hmm. right? Watson went way too early. Even before he got hurt, he went way too early and you could get Dobbs and Reed much later. And, even if Watson played, he would not have been that far apart in those two other players where it was worth taking Watson in the fifth round, fourth round, when you could get Dobbs at the eighth, ninth, and Reed at the 13th and 15th. Right. The numbers were just so much, you know, the, the numbers weren't worth that big of a gap. Um, let's let's talk about, um, I, we touched on this, uh, Al, earlier, Farrell and I did about the Titans. Um, they have a new offensive coordinator, um, and, and it's it's going to be, and I just forgot his name, uh, obviously. This is great. Nick Holtz. 
from uh, from the Jaguars. He's going to be taking over there. Um, what we don't know is what's going to happen with with Derrick Henry. Now he turned thirty this past season. He said he feels like he can still go for two thousand yards. And quite frankly, anytime a player says something about their injury or their production, I, I take it with a grain of salt because they're always going to be more positive than what reality dictates. But we have to figure out what we're doing with Derrick Henry in drafts right now. And Derrick Henry, if you look at the never too early, he is going as running back 16, but he has now fallen to the end of the fifth round. I know that 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 father time is undefeated. I know he's a 30-year-old running back, but he's Derrick Henry. Can you get on board with him at the end of the fifth round, especially if you start off with, you know, maybe three receivers and a tight end or maybe two receivers and two tight ends, you know, something like where you're still looking for running back in the fifth round, would you be looking at Derrick Henry there? If you're starting off with the the three wide receiver, one one tight end set, absolutely, because you need that solid guy, and he's mm-hmm. going to get the carries. You just got to make sure you back him up and handcuff him, because obviously Ty J Spears is going to be his handcuff, and Ty J Spears might even get half the carries. But you've right. got to make sure you just got to know where Ty J Spears is going. Maybe go a dra- uh, you know, a whole round ahead just to make sure you have him, because then you have that solid number one back when you go three. Now, if you went running back first, let's just say you were in the McCafferty sweepstakes in the beginning, or you decide to go with a Gibbs, which is probably going to be, I don't know where Gibbs is going in the never say draft, but he's probably somewhere in the second round. Uh, um, late first, like late he's first. like one, yeah. one eleven right if now. You're doing, if you're going there, you're not going Henry because you already put too much on the running back already. Mm-hmm. But if you're going the wide receiver route, like my route, Henry's a perfect spot at the fifth round. Ooh. Just back him up with the handcuff. You gotta love that, man. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I said it. My apologies. That was Troy in Centennial, Colorado, with that email. So thank you, Troy. We appreciate it. And with that, Farrell, we've come to the last question here for our illustrious well, guest. Yeah, I, I understand we're at the last question, but you know what? We've had such great contribution from all the guys in the chat room, Bucky. I mean, Bob yeah. Hogan. I could have called Bob Hogan. He told me what to do. In, in that dynasty situation, uh, uh, Mr. Hoffman's in a situation where he is either tune in from the from the motel room with his girls. Right. You know, I now, mean, Billy Hollywood's carrying the whole thing, and you haven't, you haven't said a thing about one of these guys. And I mean, there's some good stuff here. They could and and by the way, and I'll give it Colin another shout out, uh, shout out, not a shout out. He is second place in the FFPC playoff challenge right now, and he's first and second place in the thirty five dollar one. So just a fantastic. I'll take that. <laughs> and sixth six place yeah. in the best ball tournament this year for Colin Hoffman. Too, that, so. That's a really good thing. Well, Tremendous, you know, yeah. Colin probably has Colin probably couldn't answer this question because there's not a player that he doesn't like. So now we're sticking <laughs> with you, baby. Um, who do you love and who would you tell to hit the road, Jack, in this upcoming draft? So I want to find somebody – that we're not going to see on your team that, you know, that, that, that means that it'll be a guy that all the pros will own. And yeah. then I want you to tell me who you really love. Well, you're mentioning them already pretty much, right? Uh, I love love. Uh, give me all the love I can get quarterback wise next year with mm-hmm. that three wide receiver set. If you get a healthy Watson, I had love this year in a couple of leagues he did really well in the beginning. Then he kind of fizzled a little bit and took like almost like hit like a little wall. And then he ended really well for me at the end. He finished in the top 12 
and you're probably going to get him again, I'm guessing, somewhere around the 12th, 13th quarterback in your network, probably in that range. And if you can get me a top seven quarterback at 12 spot, you know, I'll take that all day long. Uh, so I'd like a lot of love next year. Uh, the guy I don't like, I love to. I would love to say I'm not going to draft Kyle Pitts, but I know I'm going to draft Kyle Pitts because he, every year I fall in love with a guy. I, I sit there and say, oh, he's got to do it this year. He's got a new offense coordinator, new thing. He's going to do it. But so I'll probably end up drafting. I'd love to say that's the guy. Um, probably the guy with Calvin Ridley. Every time I think Calvin Ridley is going to be the guy, he ends up not being the guy. Uh, I, and that's such a good offense, and he still – didn't produce enough to what I thought he was going to produce at Jacksonville. So I would Bobby, probably stick with you with Ridley last year. Were you, were you up on Ridley or down on Ridley? I can't recall. I do know you, you had a very strong opinion. I Yeah. I was down on him for sure. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. He was going in the end of the second. I mean, yeah. he moved all the way up to the end of the second. Sometimes, I mean, some people were taking him in the middle of the second. And he, and he flashed I him in the third and that was a mistake. He flashed, and those the other guys stepped up in that offense. But you know, I, I think it all went south when Christian Kirk got injured. That that's what I thought about that. Yeah. I just thought, yeah. from fantasy's perspective, um, when you took him away, everyone suffered. I think well, Ingram um, also scored a ton on that team. Ingram really stepped up and became yeah. a much bigger role player than I, I think most people thought he would be. And I think that's why we asked this question, because I was never an Ingram guy. And that's why I asked the question, who do you love this year? And, and I was able to say Ingram, and I drafted him on teams, and it made a difference. And I, and I don't know what I'll do with him this coming year, but he was a real bargain. I don't think he'll be the bargain this year. <laughs> yeah. no, he, he is, you know who uh, may be the bargain this year? Uh, Njoku. Njoku yeah. may be a bargain this year. I mean, because the question everybody's going to want to know with Janochoku is, was it Joe Flacco? Because before Joe Flacco was the quarterback, he wasn't really producing. But once Joe Flacco stepped in, he went through the roof. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of indecision on Joe, on Njoku next year as into what's he going to be. Is he going to be that player like he was with Joe Flacco? Or is he going to be like he's been every other year, just a run-of-the-mill tight end? He currently is tight end nine. Um, You're looking at Evan Engram and Brock Bowers right before him, and then TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts right after him in draft. So, kind of, I mean, like, I, I, I really, I really think he is going to fall. I I don't, because I think it's fresh in our minds and Joku just crushing it. And then people, as we get through, as we move further and further into drafting season, people are going to be remembering, you know, what? Yeah, that was with Flacco. Now he's got to deal with Watson here, and and I think then he falls a little bit. I don't know how much further he's going to fall, but I think I'm with you, Al. I, I think that is a fascinating uh, player to be watching in in drafting season. And next year, I got I don't, I don't remember a year thinking off the top of my head that it's going to be as deep as it is in tight end position. Yeah, every year it's been like, oh, can you just find me a tight end? You know, if you didn't have the top five guys, you had no one. You know, you were just pro touchdown. Next year, there's going to be 12 to 15 guys, new crap, you know, the new draft picks coming in. And then people are going to think the new draft picks are going to be like, you know, Kincaid or Porta. You know, the question just is, you're going to have possibly 12, 15 guys. There'll be a lot of drafters that are going to go double tight end next year, especially mm-hmm. when the FFPC, you know, obviously the playoff champion guy looks like, and I, he may not be, but right now he's the, he had a double tight end set. 
you know, mm-hmm. with uh, obviously with the Joku. And I mean, again, it's only one player per team. And it's a little different because it's just you only go one so many positions. But still, he went two tight end set with Joku and with Kelsey. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot more two tight end sets next year being drafted. I, I look at it right now. I mean, I mentioned some of the tight ends, but Jake Ferguson is in the top 12. Goddard is the 13th tight end off the board. Say what you will about Cole Komet, but he had a pretty good season. He's 14th. Dalton Schultz, Michael Mayer, Darren Waller, Isaiah Likely, Juwan Johnson, Tucker Kraft. I mean, we'll see what happens in Green Bay between him and, and Luke Musgrave. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's as deep as I can remember, certainly. And I think yeah. that is um, that, you know, getting the tight end position right um, doesn't necessarily meaning just take a top three guy. Uh, this year now that'll probably help but i don't think you have to do it if you can flex a 12 point 13 point tight end that just Mm -hmm. that's obviously gonna be better when you're than you're flexing that 10 point running back or 10 point wide receiver i uh i think that i have been equally parts uh entertained and informed by our guest tonight al five time ffpc main event league champ and the 2023 reigning FFPC pros versus Joe's overall champion. Thank you, sir. Uh, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Appreciate you staying a little bit extra. Uh, so much fun to talk to you uh, for sure. We'll, we'll have to you do guys this again the best. Yeah, you guys thank, are absolutely the best. It's your show. Not, it's, yeah. Your show is the best on, on podcast by far. Wow. What do you think about that? Thank you. Thank you. The truer words have never been spoken, I hope. But yeah. thank you, Al. Thank you. We, uh, we appreciate you. Good luck in 2024. Enjoy drafting season, dude. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, you got it. You guys have a good night. All right, you do the same. That is Al Leach, ladies and gentlemen. You're reigning FFPC pros versus Joe's champion. What a guy. What a fun time tonight. I would love to get to emails. I'm going to save them for next week because we're up against it, Farrell. Um, But uh, the KFFSC, let's just bring this up. And and I should have talked about this at the top of the show, and I didn't, so that's on me. I'm looking at KFFSC.com right now as far as uh, the Super Sunday goes, and I'm seeing, is that accurate, three spots left? There are three spots left, Balky. When you announced that you would not be attending, uh, several people rejected their early registrations and pulled out, and we scrambled. And people like Bob Hogan and those guys stepped up to take positions where the league could continue without you and your minions present. And it's going to be difficult, but we're going to work it out. But no. We do have three spots left with a 96-man field. We have an online um, aspect of this league that will be announced later. Uh, And then we have a 12-team big payback that also has one spot left. But most of all, we're just going to have a great time getting together, drafting at Caesars Southern Indiana. And I would advise anyone that likes the camaraderie of fantasy football and wants to be around it while watching the the preeminent game of all of uh, team sports, to, to join us uh, next year uh, in uh, 2025. This is our third annual. And you know what? We have a loyal following in our defending champion, 78-year-old Dr. Stephen Hutcherson will be in, in attendance. That's good to and hear. Matter of fact, he took a couple of teams that you vacated. No, I'm very, I'm very, I blame my son for this. Like, yeah, I, like, you I, you know had, what? Your investment of your time and your kids, Bob, yeah, is the greatest investment you'll ever make. And, and we will leave that proverbial light on for you and ask you to join us in late August. 
that well that that is that's non-negotiable. My family understands that. I will be in Louisville uh, in in late August. I uh, would encourage everybody to go to kffsc.com, uh, grab those last few spots, and then uh, hang out and watch the Super Bowl at Caesars Southern Indiana. That's going to be such a fun occasion. Um, kffsc.com is where to go. Farrell, thank you so much for hanging out with me again. I always enjoy our time together for sure, and we'll do this again next Friday. Hey, we can talk more rookies next Friday. Yes, we will. That'll be perfect. I can't wait to do it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, buddy. You bet. That is Jay Farrell Elliott, the incomparable Jay Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. KFFSC.com is where you want to go to play in that. I want to thank Farrell. I want to thank Al Leach for hanging out with us tonight, the FFPC, Farrell, uh, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for watching. Uh, we will be back, as I said, next Friday at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown is back for Season 9, believe it or not. We kick off Season 9 Tuesday night at 10 p.m. right here on the FFPC YouTube and the FFPC socials. So make sure you're checking that out. I think we're going to have a never-too-early tournament spin on uh, on that program. Uh, watch last night's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network on any of the FFPC socials or FFPC YouTube. Fantasy Pros Andrew Erickson uh, hung out with me for two hours. We talked a lot about the, the early drafts that are going on with the FFPC. And then this coming Thursday, you can watch live from 7 until 9 p.m. Player Profiler, their newest acquisition, Dan Williamson, is actually going to come on uh, to talk never too early stuff. Uh, the hard way draft that those guys compete in every year is complete. We'll talk about that as well. Um, plenty of stuff from the overhyped sleeper himself. Go to myffpc.com, myffpc.com to play in the uh, never too early best ball tournaments. Um, they're going to run up until the NFL draft. They conclude on April 25th. Best ball slim rules, no kickers, no defenses. 20-round draft, 14-week regular season. Playoffs are single-week elimination from 15 to 17. You can draft with a 30-second, 60-second, 2-hour, or 6-hour clock. Um, we have a $25,000 grand prize in the Never Too Early tournament at $125 entry fee. The Never Too Early Superflex tournament, $35 to enter, and you can still win $10,000. MyFFPC.com is where to go for that. MyFFPC.com is also where to go to pick up some of these Dynasty Orphans. You just heard Farrell talk about it. He picked up a dollar Dynasty Orphan uh, recently. There's plenty more of them at MyFFPC.com. Play fantasy football every single day of the year. What could be better than that? Dynasty Orphans now available, myffpc.com. Don't forget to check out the Dynasty Depot as well. Uh, there is a special for new players. Make sure that you are checking that out and using the promo code FREE. That's F-R-E-E. -E. You'll get a free 30-day rookie membership when you do that. That's at dynastydepot.com. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share this with your friends and enemies, and get notified each and every time we go live. Thanks so much for watching, listening, streaming, downloading. I appreciate you, and uh, I know it's going to be tough. No football this weekend. We'll get through it somehow. Uh, your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Just as an aside, I'll bring up that I did have everything squared away and I was ready to go check out the Super Bowl in Louisville, uh, a place that uh, I love hanging out, drafting, uh, and with all the friends I've met through the KFFSC over the years. Um, things fell through with my son.
<laughs> who just did not want to see me leave. He's getting to that age where he loves football. He wants to watch it with me basketball tournament that weekend, so on and so forth. And I just, I, he did not want me to leave and my heart melted. I'm only human. Um, but if you have the means and you have the opportunity, I promise you, it, you, it will not let you down. You're going to love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to get back to Louisville in, in August as well. KFFSC.com is where to sign up for that. And don't forget about all the drafts at myffpc.com, myffpc.com. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll do this all again in seven days. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.